Hello and welcome to another episode of The Joe Hendry Show. Uh, This week we've got Danny Cage from The Monster Factory on the podcast. Now I first met Danny back in 2016 at The Monster Factory when I had attended an ROH tryout camp and you know things happen in wrestling, the ring broke so we had to relocate to The Monster Factory and it was an amazing experience. Anyone that's interested in pro wrestling is going to be interested in this podcast because how you get from being someone that wants to do wrestling to a polished professional is a very interesting journey. And uh, the Monster Factory is one of the most acclaimed training schools in the world. They've got wrestlers in pretty much every major wrestling organization in the world. So it's definitely worth a listen. You may also have heard about the Monster Factory and Danny Cage from Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast. So... (laughs) <laughs> from one prestigious podcast to another. Um, Danny Cage is joining us now um, on the Joe Henry Show. But before we get into that, i got to give a quick shout out to the sponsors. Um, first up is Wrestling Experience Scotland. They present action-packed wrestling events across Scotland, featuring some of the top stars from British wrestling, along with the best young up-and-coming talent. It's fun for all ages, a guaranteed top-quality night of the wrestling, and most importantly, at an affordable price. How affordable? Go to www.scotlandwrestling.com code.uk sorry that is my uh, phone telling me that I have an appointment in half an hour so we'll, we'll try that again go to www.scotlandwrestling.co.uk and you will see that they've got shows from as little as five pounds which is incredible value when you consider who is on the show also going to welcome a new sponsor Please welcome Bottom Tier. These guys operate a great Twitch channel. When I first started out on Twitch, uh, these guys got in contact. We did a lot of cross-promotion, and it was a lot of fun. Um, So definitely check that out. It's over at twitch.tv forward slash the bottom tier. Go check it out. And basically, it's if you're, well, they've said it themselves, if you're a giant nerd. They've asked, do you like video games? Do you like nerds? Do you like nerds doing video game things that they're clearly unqualified for? Then try Bottom Tier, your one-stop shop for nerd humor, video games, and gratuitous swearing. I mean, I I can't I can't allow that. I mean, I, I you know gratuitous swearing. That's I did not know that was going to be the case, but you know the deal's been done, so I'll continue. Gratuitous swearing. Jason and Colton co-run this stream, and when they aren't working in games journalism, they're playing randomized retro RPGs, online co-op games, Guitar Hero, and they read the worst fiction the internet has ever produced in their bottom-tier book club segments. I will say that was actually very funny. I joined them for a uh, for, uh, stream on that one, and it's basically, they just find the worst books that they ever had, uh, whether it be from school or whatever, and they read them out. Um, and who needs Audible, you know? I probably shouldn't say that because one day they could be a sponsor, but for right now, it's Bottom Tier Book Club. Um, one has a melodious voice, the other has a magnificent beard, and when their powers combine, they produce something incredible. So basically, if you're a huge geek like I am and you like video games, then go and check out twitch.tv forward slash the bottom tier. All right, finally, uh, we are also a fairly new sponsor. We've had, we've had them for one podcast so far, and we have, uh, you know, we have enjoyed the product. Only for, uh, you know, for um, research purposes, of course, but it's Beer 52. And basically what they're offering is these guys, again, I've got this whole thing I could read out, but I'm just going to speak from the heart on this one. Um, basically, I don't really drink that often. 
Uh, but when I do drink, I like it to be a little bit of a special event, you know. So Beer 52 is perfect for me. And what they do is they send you this awesome case to your house of basically these kind of these niche, awesome beers that you would never find in a supermarket. They kind of compile uh, this 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 list of these exclusive craft beers and they send them to your house, the ones they think that you would enjoy. And they've got one called Summer Bangers right now. And my beer of the week, if you will, is the Cream Soda IPA. And basically, you can get your hands on that and seven other awesome beers and a snack um, for free, actually. Well, I say free, but if you pay the postage, that's pretty fair, right? If you pay the postage, they will send you a case of beer. So basically, what it is, is it's uh, the world's most popular monthly craft beer discovery club. They're searching incredible and exclusive small batch craft beers from the world's greatest breweries and bringing them back to their members. Uh, So basically, what it is, is... Every month focuses on a new country or a theme. And if you sign up now, you can get your first case for free. All you have to pay is the postage, which is amazing. Trust me, when you get these eight awesome beers arriving at your door. Also, you'll be able to read all about the beers and learn about how they made it to the box. Um, All the info is included in a 100-page Ferment magazine, which is included in the box. And also, one of my favorite bits was they've got these, uh, they include a snack. And this month's snack was, uh, it was like this super hot chicken wing flavor crisps, which were absolutely badass. So, as a listener of the show, you can try out your first case for free. All you have to pay is the $2.95 postage, so you get eight incredible craft beers for Mint Magazine and that fantastic snack delivered next day shipping for $2.95 postage. It is a no-brainer, people, and there's no minimum commitment. You can just take the case, and if uh, you know, you can see what you think, and if it's not for you, um, you just let them know that you want to pause or cancel. Uh, Beer52 has a five-star rating from Trustpilot, so it's easy to see why the members love their service. And people, I wouldn't be advertising it if I didn't believe in it. I said to them, I said, get a case sent over here. Get two cases sent over here. Get three cases. So that was my terrible impression there. But we got some cases sent over and we sampled the product and we enjoyed it very much. So thanks very much for uh, Beer52. Um, if you want to take advantage of that offer, go to beer52.com forward slash Hendry. That's beer52.com forward slash Hendry. All right, we got through it. Interview with Danny Cage. Let's do it. Joe Hendry makes things better. But there's still so much to do Joe Hendry makes things better And now he's got a podcast Cause if you'd like some We'll come and collect some And if you'd like some Hello and welcome once again to the Joe Henry Show. I am extremely excited because right now I have a guest that I met many years ago when I attended a professional wrestling training camp. And ever since, I've been following and kind of just learning as well and looking at these very interesting but extremely affecting training methods, the training methods that take place at the world-famous Monster Factory. Joining me right now is Danny Cage. Danny, how are you? I am loving life. What's up, Joe? What's up? Excellent. Now, I understand you have got a lot of very big things happening in your life and in the Monster Factory's life as well. Uh, why not start with the big news that everyone wants to know about? You have partnered with Ring of Honor. Can you tell us about this and what it means for the school? Yeah, this is a, a long way uh, in the making, a long time in the making, uh, I started going around the Ring of Honor camps back in 2013 or so. Uh, QT Marshall was 
just uh, coming off his contract there and doing stuff wrestling for them still. And uh, I was friends with Bob Evans, Kevin Kelly, and all those guys. And they said, just, I was like, hey, man, you mind if I just stop by these camps? You know, and this is at the time, you know, I'm owner of the, the most successful wrestling school in the world, and I still want to go by there to learn and, and see what's going on there so I can take things and, and apply them to where, you know, what we're doing. And I was over there, and I loved it. We were there from 9 in the morning till 10 at night, and I was back up at 9 in the morning till 10 o'clock at night again. You know, not getting paid for my time, uh, you know, uh, you know, investing in myself and years of doing that and having a solid relationship and everything that we had going on. Plus, uh, one of our, uh, the, you know, the voice of Ring of Honor, Ian Riccoboni, came from the Monster Factory. Uh, Punishment Martinez from the Monster Factory is actually one of our coaches. LSG from the Monster Factory. Before, Tim Hughes used to wrestle there from the Monster Factory. Shaheem Ali from the Monster Factory. Gabby Ortiz from the Monster Factory. So it was a natural fit. And, uh, you know, they, this was, you know, a year or so ago we discussed it. And, you know, we had to keep quiet about it. And ironing more things out and ironing more things out and what it was going to mean to us and the other schools. And if there was going to be more schools added. And, you know, they just hit us up with the press release and they said, can you approve this? And boom, next thing you know, it's out there, and to get in Ring of Honor, you know, basically you got to go through one of these four schools uh, to get into the ROH Dojo and, and head over to Ring of Honor, so it's uh, it's almost like uh, their version of the Performance Center, uh, mm -hmm. and I think it's going to work great. Uh, is there going to be some hiccups along the way? Sure, there's hiccups with everything, uh, even, you know, when I started training, we were doing different things, and... Um, we had a change. I've been tra changing our training for the last uh, seven to six years now. Uh, so there's always going to be different changes in mm -hmm. what works and what doesn't work. But I'm really excited to see what the future holds, uh, especially since now there's a definite way to get in. Before it was show up at the camps and we'll see what happens. I think this way works a lot better because you have the camps and then you have the schools that will get you, uh, to, you know, ready and prepared for Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor TV. Absolutely. And am I right in saying that means now that there is just absolutely no excuse? If you want to be a professional wrestler, if you want to get to Ring of Honor, there is a very clear path to do so. Absolutely. And, and at the same time, it still allows us to do things with uh, WWE. We mm -hmm. just, uh, I just submitted, uh, you know, a couple names to uh, try out, and they got tryouts uh, just last month. And, and this goes back to the camps. You know, I, I, I don't want to try to just sell these camps, but, I mean, it's such a good investment. And the ones that put these camps down are, are just doing it because they're going to be exposed or their training is going to be exposed because, you know, someone came from Colorado uh, last April for our camp, and I talked to Jerry Briscoe, and I said, this guy's got something. I put him in with Jerry. Jerry put him in for a tryout, and he killed the tryout. He got a WWE tryout of it. Tryout out of it. Um, so it was it was very rewarding for that person to invest in themselves, and it could have been anybody. Uh, so there's that, and uh, you know those camps can can lead to a lot. It's the whole networking, getting bookings out of it. Um, it's just a no brainer. How many how many camps do you do, Joe? Because you're like. Well, I was just going to get to that. Sorry, carry on, carry on. Yeah, because I mean, like, I spotted you right out of the. Because, like, you know, everybody showed me your uh, your entrances. 
which were great. I loved them, but I really didn't get to see you work or your presence in person because I can tell a lot about someone's presence, presence and how they carry themselves. And right when, you know, because at that time, Ring of Honor camp was at our school because the ring had broken, and that's yeah. how great our relationship was, that they hit me up, and they're like, what will it take to get in there? And I said, just get here. You know, there was no money. Yeah. There was no nothing. I could have easily probably asked them, but there's no need. We help each other out. So uh, Absolutely. I saw you in there, and right away I'm like, oh, my God, this guy. Like, I, I, I was telling a couple of people, I think it was like Carino and Hunter, and I was like, this guy, this guy's a stud. I was like, I can tell just by the way he carries himself. And, you know, not to, you know, blow smoke up your ass or anything, I'm not. Um, like, I could see that your ring presence, I don't know how many years you had in by that time, but you your ring presence was very commanding compared to everybody else there. Thank um, you very much, Danny. I, I really appreciate that. And, um, yeah, I, I, you, I always talk about ring awareness and um, uh, ring intelligence, wrestling intelligence, and it's hard to teach it. Um, and some people are born with it, and some people just get it instantly when they get in there through years and years of watching wrestling and studying yeah. it. You, you just, uh, you know, you just take to it naturally, and I could tell the, the way that you carried yourself in a ring that you were going to be a star, and and I, I think you're well on the way. Thank you very much, Danny. I really appreciate that. I have uh, it's it's awesome to hear that because, like I say, I'm not a guy that does a whole lot of moves, but like I really right. do. I've put a lot of time into, like you say, attending camps, and that was a huge moment for me in my career, and I, I couldn't believe. Not only how great the facility was, but the quality of the the trainers and the training that was going on, and um, you know it was it was great to meet yourself. And one thing that I've noticed that I really like about what the Monster Factory does is sometimes I find that schools can be a little bit too friendly and put up with a little bit too much BS, you know. And it's a tough, tough business. But you're very forthcoming. You don't accept any BS. Am I? Am I is that a fair comment? Yeah, because here's my thing, um, and I'll give you a great example. And some people give me crap for it, but we're a school, so I'm trying to prepare them for what they're going to face in the real world of wrestling. Yeah. So I I don't necessarily control where everyone goes. If they want to go somewhere to wrestle, they can. It's just you know they might not be welcome back. But all they have to right. do is clear things with me. And 99.9% of the time, I'm going to say, yeah, go do it. But I want to know where everybody's going. Yeah. And there's, I tell everybody there's a couple reasons for that. Number one, if someone hits me up and says, hey, your guy was here, he did great, I don't want to go, who? Who was it? Yeah. I want to be able to say, yeah, uh, such and such was there. He told me, thank you so much. Or uh, I might know the booker or whatever, and I could say, hey, see if you can't, you know, do this for him or help him out with this or whatever. Uh, yeah. I, you know, could you match him up with this guy? I'd like to see what he can do with this guy. So there's a, a myriad of reasons why I want that. So anyway, uh, someone was going to wrestle for a good friend of mine, and he was a former coach of the Monster Factory, and they told me they were wrestling for him. I said, yeah, you can do it. Just let me know the date. Well, that was like three months ago, and then like, it comes the day of the, the weekend of the show, and I see, like, a flyer, and I'm like, you never let me know about this. Oh, yeah, we did. I was like, you never told me the date. So when they came back, you know, the next uh, show we had, we took the belts off of them. Right. And, and we had them lose, and uh, I told them, as they're in the locker room, how you handle this loss and move forward will let me know 
how you're going to be in professional wrestling. If you let this upset you uh, or get pissed off or take it out on your opponent, then you're not coachable. But if you realize you screwed up, even though it's a technicality, whatever, WWE and other places aren't going to go, oh, it's okay, we're boys. Um, they're either going to fire you, they're going to fine you, or they're going to do exactly what I did. So now they're going to have a little sting, and they're going to feel a little burn, and they're going to be a little embarrassed, and they're going to lose their belts, and they're going to lose their spot for a little bit. But if everything works out and they do the right things, they can work their way back. Same way if you go in and do an arm drag and I tell you the proper way to do it and you keep doing it the wrong way, I don't go, oh, okay, that's fine. You know, my training, don't, don't worry about it. Because the in-ring training is a very small part of professional wrestling. Uh, I say it a million times, and I'm part, pointing to my heart. This gets you the tryout. Now I'm pointing to my head. This, or this, this gets you the job, pointing to my heart. Mm-hmm. This gets you, keeps you the job, and I'm pointing at my head. Yeah. So that's the way we do things, and there's reasons you can miss training and reasons you cannot. I can in pro wrestling, I can spot anybody sandbagging things, taking it easy, taking it light, um, and I don't put up with it. And there's other people go, well, you know, they paid to come here, so, and I'm like, no, my name's on them. Yeah. Uh, same way if I'm a personal trainer. If I have somebody who I'm like, yeah, I've been training this person for five years and they look like ass, whoever <laughs> would want to come to me as a personal trainer? That's a very good point. And the thing is, though, in today's day and age, now I know, like you say, a lot of people, well, some people are going to give you crap about it, but I would say that the proof is in the pudding. Now, am I right in saying that you've got students in pretty much every major organization that there is to speak of? Could you give us a few examples? Uh, well, we have probably about five or six in Ring of Honor right now. Uh-huh. Uh, Matthew Riddle is everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere else in between. Mm-hmm. Steve Cutler's in uh, NXT and you know, mm-hmm. WWE. Plus, you know, we have so many different people on the indies. We have three of our students placed right now in the ROH dojo that we can't speak of, but yep, they got, sure. they're in there right now. Yeah. Nick Camarado. So, so I'll just put the, put it this way. I took over, I took over ownership of 2011, yep. no students, no building, no nothing. And since that time, we, I have probably about seven people signed a contract with ring of honor evolve and WWE and, uh, have had, uh, numerous people have tryouts with WWE, mm-hmm. which helps get your foot in the door and, and helps get on the radar. So now you can try to stay on people's radar. Yeah. And not only that, what I do is I bring in other coaches, not only for me to learn things, but also it's a networking for the coaches yeah. and the kids to now learn from the same like-minded people, whether it be Rip Rogers, Tom Pritchard, Les Thatcher, Kevin Kelly, uh, you know, the, the list goes on and on. Jerry Briscoe, I mean, that's what I try to do is, is, is and Bill DeMott and all those guys just have those people all around. Yeah. So now you're not just on, you're not just being coached by me. There's all these other people, and now you're bumping into them at different areas. Mm-hmm. And what people fail to realize is all these coaches and all these people talk. Yeah. So as Jerry Briscoe's, you know, he works for the WWE, is talking to whoever their names are coming up, our yeah. names are coming up, and I saw this guy at this camp, and that's the importance of it, and that's that's what I think 
people fail to realize how important these camps are. And people love to say, um, oh, you're paying for a tryout. You know, you're paying for you're paying for a job interview. And I go, I don't know any job interviews where you learn for eight to ten hours. You know, I don't yeah. know any job interviews that are going to lead to other jobs that are going to make more than the guy interviewing you. Yeah. So I believe if you're a star, if you're a stud, if you have a little something, you will get you will get that look. And then the the, the key is consistency and keep learning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just I just find it infuriating that these camps, especially in New Jersey, there's a wrestling school almost around every corner. Yes, yeah. There there should be, but I'm I'll be going to the airport Thursday and Friday, picking people up from Dallas, from Florida, from California, from Colorado. And there will hardly be anybody coming from New Jersey other than our students, which is insulting. Yeah, no, I completely understand that. And from a personal point of view, I can attest to the fact that not only are you getting your students these opportunities, but like I say, I was lucky enough to spend a few days at the Monster Factory. And without going into details, um, yeah. you actually approached me and offered me a very big opportunity in a major organization And, you know, I wasn't one of your students. You were under no obligation to do that. But you felt you saw something and you'd be able to help. And you did so because you you wanted to kind of, you know, help the younger talent. So that's kind of a message to anyone who is, like you've just said, you know, there's no excuse for not going to the camp. But make no mistake about it, if you you attend uh, a, a camp at the Monster Factory, you never know what kind of opportunity could be on the other end of a good performance. Absolutely. And... And the thing is, like, I try to tell everybody, I want everybody around me to succeed because winners hang out with winners. Yeah. So if I'm hanging out with Joe and he's a loser, I'm a loser. <laughs> well, so, sorry, sorry in advance, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to do good. Yeah. I want students to do good. I want anybody who's, you know, worth it. I want them to do good. I'm never going to give out bad advice. Mm-hmm. Because then it's a reflection on me if you go the wrong way. Yeah. You know, I, I, I hear this all the time from people like, well, I didn't think and I, I thought this and I thought that and I listened to this person and that person. I'm like, listen to me. I'm your coach. I'm the one who's trying to help you because if you succeed, then I succeed. I'm not getting money from you. I, you know, I'm not getting a, uh, a cut of your deal, but you're going to succeed and not, we're going to be, be succeeding as like a group, as a team. Yeah. You know? And, and that's the way wrestling works. It's a, it's a brotherhood, whether people believe it or not. It's not just about, hey, what kind of booking can you get me, brother? It's a, hey, man, we can do this together. We can change this. We can make this awesome for everybody. And we get to work with a bunch of cool people that we all like. I mean, it's a, it's a fantasy job. And it's a hard work. And a lot of people will say, and I'll say, it, it's not really just a job. It is a definite lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And I'm and I'm built for it, and mm-hmm. that's the, the scariest thing. Is like I'm I'm just getting started. I've only been doing this seven years, really. Yeah. Now, Danny, if you don't mind me asking, um, because on this podcast, when we have when we have guests, a lot of the things we talk about is kind of what it's like to pursue a dream, because a lot of the listeners don't understand the difference between you know, like we just said, the kind of this dream job that we all want versus the realities of making it happen. Now, I know that you've gone through a lot of people telling you it wasn't possible. Can you tell us just a little bit about what it was like overcoming that adversity of being told you couldn't do it and then proving everyone wrong? 
Oh yeah, I, I, I vividly remember it. I remember um, number one starting and everyone telling me what business do you. That's why like I love like uh, X Pac, Sean Waltman, and but he'll he, every once in a while he'll post up like unless you've been there, you can't. You know, you have no right coaching. Not saying it to me, and then I'll message him and or say something. He'll go, "Well, you're the exception." Um, so uh, you know. There was a lot of people saying I had no business training people. Uh, I'm a fraud. Uh, I'm, a, you know, a con man. I'm this and I'm that. So then I went, okay, I'm such a con man that I got people tryouts with WWE, connections with WWE, uh, letting the doors of Ring of Honor, partners with Ring of Honor. I'm apparently the greatest worker ever because I convinced Stone Cold Steve Austin that I know what I'm talking about, and he had me on his show and, and all these other things. And pro wrestling is about working people, so I guess I'm the greatest worker in the history of the business, apparently. But, I mean, if I listened to everybody back in 2011 and 12, uh, there's a lot of people that wouldn't have jobs right now. Yeah. And, you know, and, and believe it or not, like there's a couple people that met their girlfriends and had kids together through the Monster Fragment. So, so all this stuff is not happening if I listen to drink, uh, people saying I couldn't do it. Um, I remember my mother-in-law telling me that I was ruining our family this wrestling would never amount to anything. I was destroying the family, missing my kids' lives, and uh, I was basically a worthless human being. And, I, and she did it in front of my kids, and I let her do it. And uh, I, I just was silent, and I said, okay, okay, because I knew in my mind I had this. Yeah. Uh, you know, then fast forward and jump to a couple years later, she's handing out my business cards at beauty salons, telling everybody all the things I've done showing her the people I know and coming to our shows and saying how awesome everything is. Uh, so if I would have listened to her and listened to everybody else, uh, you know, this wouldn't be going on. And I'll say this to everybody who ever wants to pursue a dream. Um, make sure you're with the right person. I was mm -hmm. with my wife before. Uh, I was with her right when I started wrestling, so she knew wrestling. Um, and she, she, she understood this. Yeah. But at the same time, I always showed her how serious this was. Um, if a show happened to be on our anniversary, we weren't doing anything for our anniversary. We had a show. If it fell on the kid's birthday, the kid's birthday will be celebrated later. We have a show. If I had to go away for a camp, we go away for a camp. This is my job. So as you're training, that is your job. Uh, I love when people say, well, I have a family member in town. I'm going to miss training. Well, did you call out of work today? Or did you call out of college? No? Well, then you're coming to training. That's the way things work. Because once you take off the gas pedal and you show them that everything you're doing is expendable, uh, they're not going to take your dream seriously. But everybody knows that my dream is serious. They know not to screw with it. They know that this is my life. And if they hang on for the ride, it's going to be awesome. And I'll give them everything they've ever wanted. But for the time being, daddy's driving. Step aside. And that's what everybody has to realize who's going to do this as a business, that it's not a, I walk into the wrestling school, I train for two hours, and then I'll be back in the next two days and do it for two hours. That's not what wrestling's about. Yeah. It's not about going and doing the eight-hour drive and a five-minute booking and an eight-hour drive home. It's way more than that. There's stuff outside the ring. There's a whole bunch of things, uh, studying uh, lessons and improv. There's a million things that you can do, but this is the greatest entre entrepreneurial pursuit you will ever make. And if you're not built to be an entrepreneur, you're going to flounder in wrestling and you're going to wind up broken poor. And that's a fact. So 
one th- one other thing about Astonius also is it's great to give our listeners kind of an insight on what it's like to start in wrestling and achieve a dream. But also myself, like me being in the situation I'm in, you know, I've kind of I've just started with Impact Wrestling, I've just started with WOS Wrestling, which is going to be huge in the UK, and I'm doing more regular bookings with Ring of Honor now. Now I'm at a stage where I'm kind of thinking, what do I need to do to get to that next level? Because you know, obviously we know all the obvious things to worry about, but I always ask myself the question. Am I working hard enough? How? What would you recommend? Is there anything you could recommend for an athlete like myself to keep myself disciplined and in check? Is there a system or a set of values or just some simple advice that you've got for, let's say, myself? I say uh, stay the course on everything. If you you could be you know you could be going down and, and being like knowing at the end of this street is your destination. And you keep walking, and you keep walking. You're like, man, I've been walking forever. i got to change my path, because they told me it was at the end of the street. But I know there's got to be a shortcut, or there's got to be a different way around, or maybe someone gave me the wrong instructions. You're going to veer off that path. And if you're busy picking up every nickel and dime on the ground, someone else is going to go to the end of the street and pick up that million bucks that you just wasted. So stay the course. Keep doing what you're doing. But at the same time, never get complacent. Yeah. Uh, always change things up. It doesn't mean change your gimmick every 45 days or, you know, yeah. whatever. Uh, you know, I created a brand. The, the Monster Factory was never green before. It never had all that stuff. But I was familiar with branding, uh, you know, recognizing a brand, brand recognition, to the point now where if anyone sees anything with green ropes or green lights, they automatically think the Monster Factory. Yeah. Um, and, and that's just the way it is, and that's on purpose. So that you got to do the same thing for your gimmick, your image, your brand, your your mark, and you know you can go up and down the, the spectrum on all the people that are like that in pro wrestling who made who made a living at it. Yeah. But the worst thing to ever do is to get frustrated and act differently because something didn't go your way. Yeah. Because there has been things, you know, between me and big companies. That went on behind the scenes, and I didn't let it bother me at all. I just moved on. I was like, okay, we got to switch something up. I didn't have to verbally, uh, you know, say anything. I didn't have to go on social media and, and whine about it or cry about it. I just changed the way I trained or trained the way I did things. Or, you know, in the very beginning, uh, WWE, when they opened Performance Center, they wanted people that didn't have a lot of indie experience. Yeah, I remember, yeah. Yeah, they didn't want names, so they were telling me, keep your guys in-house, train them the right way, send them when they're ready. Then it became, uh, you have to get them much experience as possible. So then that meant I had to change the way we did things. Yeah. Because before I used to run three or four shows a month, which was a lot more income for me. Now we do one show a month, so now I'm losing money, so these kids can go out and get more experience. Yeah. So then they can get a job to make more money. I didn't say no. I'm going to do. Th- I'm going to do three or four jobs uh, or f- three or four shows here, and they're and and they're just going to have to suck it up because I need my money. My job as a coach and a trainer is not just to teach them to wrestle. I want them employed. I want them to have a job because again, like I said, once they're successful, I'm successful. And I'll find other ways to make money. So that's how I have to get creative. Mm-hmm. So the same thing goes for when you're a pro wrestler. Say you're doing these bookings and they're not panning out and making as much as you used to get when you used to go to these one place and you could charge somebody 
X amount of dollars because they didn't know any better. Yeah. Now you're going to places, but there's more publicity. Now you're only making fifty to a hundred dollars. Uh, which one do you take? Well, like I said, I'm not going to get angry uh, and and argue over stuff. Then I know down the road I'll be making millions. So I'm not yeah. going to I'm not going to argue over nickel. No, I agree. I have the exact same philosophy. For me, I always try to play the long game. Yeah, and that's the way. That's what I said. Like, stay the course. You cannot get frustrated. Yeah. Um, and the big thing is to seek quality opportunities with people yes. that can put you in connection with the right people, whether it be a phone call or a handshake. That's the big thing you have to realize. Not I know a guy who knows a guy. Um, I'm big on a phone call or a handshake. If that, if somebody. I'm going to some place that can do that, then that's where I'm going. Brilliant. Um, another thing I was going to ask is one of our sponsors, they do kind of live shows in Scotland, but they've also got a training school um, which is doing pretty well, supplying a lot of talent for ICW. It's called GPWA. And one of the trainers there um, is, vet, is a big fan of your methods, and he says that he's very influenced by the way that you teach your students and that kind of firm but fair approach what advice would you give to a relatively new school a popular school that has got connections to you know a well-known company like icw what advice would you give them to to kind of um you know to adopt a similar sort of um system that you have well i don't do any we have a set of rules but at the same time you have got to have emotional intelligence to be able to read uh, students individually. Yeah. Um, you know, some people, they have anxiety issues. Yes. Um, some people have family issues. I grew up with, uh, with family issues where people didn't realize I had family issues. Sure. Because we were, we were wealthy. So, uh, you know, when you grow up wealthy, they don't, they don't think that you can have, like, yeah. uh, bad things happening. So there's different ways to handle people. So you have to watch the emotional intelligence and you don't have to bark at everybody. And I, and I find myself doing that a lot to the points where I talk to the students and they're like, well, well, sometimes you, you fly off the handle so much over little things. And I'm like, listen, you got to realize I, and I had to, I had to break it down for him. I said, um, so let's just say you're a really crappy husband. Uh, you cheat on your wife. Um, you, your job is falling apart. Um, you, you, you verbally abuse the kids, all this stuff. But then you come home and you drop uh, a spoon on the living room floor and your wife goes off on you. She might be going off on you, but she's not really going off on you about the spoon. She's going off about you cheating, about you having a crappy job, and all these other things. So my big thing is sometimes I'll yell at somebody in a ring for doing something when it's also because they've also not been doing their social media. They've also not been showing up on time. They've also forgot their gear. They've also forgot that. So I have to address things as they come up and not let them bottle up, if that makes sense, because um, my biggest thing is I'll explode sometimes and it makes me look kind of bad. But at the same time, I'm like, man, but like, there's a million things they did wrong. It isn't just because they screwed up the drill. Yeah. So my biggest thing is communication. When you have to pull somebody in private, pull them in private on certain matters. Yeah. But I'm into disciplining in front of everybody on certain things because guess what? I just now disciplined 40 people as opposed to took this right. guy in a room 
and told him what he did wrong, and then we go back to training, and then someone makes that same mistake next week, and then the next week, and then the next yeah. week, and I have 40 conversations. So, but the big thing is to have a set of rules, have them written, and be fair with them. In the very beginning, you know, maybe be like, hey, you know, I know you're new here, but here's the rule. Um, and then that's like their get-out-of-jail-free card. You know, hey, these rules aren't just make-believe, and then you gotta, you got to... You know, lay the hammer down, whether it be, you know, I've, I've suspended people, I've kicked people out, and I am not above people coming back as long as they do the right thing. They apologize. I'll, I will never burn bridges. Um, I will never say, I'll never say never, but it's tough if somebody does something so horrible, sure. no, they can't come back. Yeah. But there's times when somebody is, you know, just not showing up on time, just being late, and you have to say, listen. You can't train here anymore. Like, I've had the meeting before where I just told him, listen, you can finish out your bookings, but uh, after this week, you are done here. I can't train you anymore. Uh, you don't want to listen. So after this, you're on, you're on your way. And you have to do that. You have to be fair. Now, guess what? That person could go on and be unbelievable and have a great career. And that's good. I'm glad because hopefully what I did to them helped them. Because if they were going to stay here, in my mind, they were not going to learn because they were doing what they wanted and not listening to their coach, which means they're not coachable. And the biggest thing you have to do is be coachable in wrestling. Uh, not just when you're training, but also when you're doing bookings and things like that. So it's cool to be friends and have a friendly atmosphere, but at the same time, you got to be down to business. And at the same time, it's you have to be business. If people see you not being all business and just yelling and bitching during training then your words really mean nothing. So sure. you have to be able to, you, you have to be willing to do what you're coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that doesn't mean I'm taking arm drags or hip tosses. Yeah. I'm 40 for the bad back. <laughs> yeah. No unnecessary bumps, right? Um, so basically coming to the end, I just kind of want to ask you, um, because there will be someone listening to this podcast that has the dream of being a professional wrestler. And there might even be someone who is within distance or, you know what, someone that could attend a camp. What would you suggest that they do if there's someone out there who's thinking about it but maybe hasn't taken the leap yet? Can a beginner come to one of your camps? Or how would someone start with you? What are the first steps to someone giving this a go? Because, folks, I'm telling you now, I have experienced this facility for myself. It is a huge facility. It's, it's got you know it's got the workout uh, weights in one room. There's areas for promos. It's got like these, this kind of amateur wrestling-style area as well. It's a really fantastic facility so this i thoroughly recommend that, that you train there if you get the opportunity and you know i'm not i'm not just saying that that is uh, from my own personal experience so danny if someone wants to how do they get started can they just show up yeah i mean all you have to do like any experience level my biggest thing is just start yeah you have to start you can't wait until i get this all the time well, I'm 23 years old. I'll start in like three months because I just want to get in shape first. Listen, you've had 23 years to get yeah. in shape. <laughs> if you're not in shape now, you're not going to be in shape in three months. Come in here. Let us do it because we will have you in great shape. Um, so my biggest thing is just do it. Just show up. Showing up is the hardest part of wrestling. Mm -hmm. There's those butterflies. You're nervous. What are you getting into? Well, guess what? In a week, two weeks, three weeks, they're all going to go away. Now you're going to be anxious. You're going to want to go in. 
Yeah. And the quicker you get that started, the quicker you get to be better and better and better and better. And guess what? After that, then you're going to be nervous for your first booking. Then you're going to be nervous for your first outside match. Yeah. Then you get, you know, there's going to be tons of these things. So the best thing to do is just go do it. Um, it is, sorry, sorry to interrupt that. I was just going to say, just on that point, it just made me think, like, it is so true what you're saying there about your levels of nervousness. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, obviously, I've, I've been with Defiant Wrestling, which was WCPW for a long time, and now I really just kind of, they're fun bookings to me, but before, the pressure was crazy. But yeah. when, when I wrestled Kurt Angle, I think I had an outer body experience with the amount yeah. of nervousness that I had going into that. That was nuts. Um, and, you've done, and you've done it a million times. <laughs> yeah. And, and nobody's going to have a bad match with Kurt Angle. No, no. Fa- you know what I mean? So like, Absolutely. We, we, <laughs> time. I have a great way of hiding it to the point like where it comes off like super like cocky, but I'm not cocky. Like I'm very confident what I do um, to the point like where like I don't care about certain things. Like I remember like going to go have a meeting like at WWE and stuff like that. And like everyone's asking me like a million questions. Like, are you nervous? What do you bring? And what do you do? So I was like, I'm just showing up. Like I, I, I got this. Um, and that's the way you have to, you have to just do it. Like when Austin called me up to be on his show, and I'm friends with him. He's just like, you want to do my show? And I'm like, when? He goes, now. So I was like, all right. And I grabbed the jug of water and I sat in my car and did it. I didn't need to know what it was about. Uh, you you know, when you called me and you asked me, I didn't need to know what the show was about. I was like, yeah, let's just do it. Um, so you, the biggest thing is just to get out there and do it. And it's going to be rough. And it's going to be horrible. And you're going to be nervous. But the more and more you do things, the easier and everything gets. I always say it. Repetition breeds habit. Whether you're uh, riding a bike, whether you're throwing a football, it's second nature. And the, once you get in that ring and everything becomes second nature is when you then discover the wrestling matrix. Everything opens up and that's when you become an awesome worker. You can read the crowd and everything is second nature because you're not thinking of how do I put on this hold? How do I get on that? Where should I be in the ring? And the more you do it, and I'm not just talking matches... Because at a camp, you can wrestle for 8 to 10 hours, 50 to 60 different people. When I was an amateur, I loved those camps. I used to be at, uh, to go to these different camps, and we would sit in a wrestling room for 10 hours, and I was wrestling 50 to 60 different people, 30 seconds at a time, going from one ring or one, one square on the, on the mat to another, to another, to another, and then getting to meet them and bond with them. I wish the Internet was around them because I would still be friends with most of those people. Um, so like these camps are just such a, a, a great thing and the biggest part is just to go and do it. Sign up, do it, and you might have an awful experience the first time. It might might be awful. Uh, and then the second time gets a little better. Third time and then these camps you start to pick up momentum. Like I got people that have been coming to our camps for the last four or five years. Um, we do three or four uh, a year and I got coaches that come in. What happened to this guy? Let me see this guy. Uh you know, this uh, we had Bill DeMott in, and he's texting uh, Triple H and people in front of us uh, about different people, and it wasn't a work. He was literally yeah. sending pictures to them. Yeah, so, and, and I mean, I can personally attest to the opportunities that are available here because you know, do you know how many workers say to me, "Oh, um, can you get me a contact for Ring of Honor? How do you get into Ring of Honor?" And I'm like, guys, you need to get your ass on a plane and you need to yeah. go over and you need to do one of these camps. And people are yeah. just like, and see when I tell them that. 
they're not so interested. Most of them of just course. bail out at that point. You know what I mean? Of course. They're like, wait a minute, I have to spend money on a plane ticket? Um, gee, I'll just wait for them to call me. No, that's not going to happen, man. Yeah. That's not going to happen. And the thing is, like, with our camps, we let people camp at our school. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, sa- you're saving a hotel room. Plus, I'm picking you up from the airport. I, I, I really love wrestling. Like, I, I, I mean... I quit a six-figure job to do this where I did, I had my weekends off, uh, and I worked seven till seven at night, and I had the rest of the day off. Now I'm working more. I mean, I'm making decent money, but I, you know, I, I'm not making what I was making. Sure. Um, I do this because I legitimately love professional wrestling. It's what's yeah. kept me alive since age 10 till now. Uh, it was always my thing to do. And so I just say, like, when you come out to these camps and I'm talking to you, I'm not trying to rip you off. Uh, I'm not trying to steal your money. I'm trying to make everybody in pro wrestling be good so they can live their dreams that like, the way they want and so they can make money. And then everybody's saying, man, wrestling is freaking awesome. It's, 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 it's really a win-win situation for these camps and, and, and other stuff like that. And it doesn't have to be just ours. You know, Go to the other camps where you see reputable trainers doing things. Um, it, it's just... I can't say good enough good things about it, but the hardest part is doing it. Absolutely. Now, so if there is someone listening, could a beginner attend one of your camps, or yeah. is that more intermediate? Can anyone go? Anybody. We we have beginners all the time. We, I've had people that never wrestled before sign up to do the camps, uh, and then by the end of the camp, they had a couple bumps and did some locks ups, lock ups and stuff, and then next thing you know, you know, they're having their first match in, in four or five months. It's just. Uh, the biggest thing is to experience it. Plus, let's say if you're not sure about pro wrestling, sign up for one of the camps. Now you're not on 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 the hook for the yeah. old tuition cost, and you can get an experience of what pro wrestling is like, and if it's if you're really cut out for it. Absolutely, and I always say to folk when they ask me about getting in, there's nothing worse than living with regret. I feel if you yeah, don't, if you don't give it a go, then you're always going to wonder, you know, what if, what if, what if. And I personally was in a situation before I started wrestling. I kind of had this weird mentality that a lot of people had at the time, which was, well, I'm not big enough, and I'm not this, and I had all these excuses as to why I wouldn't be successful. But you know what? One day I just says to hell with it, I'm doing it, you know, I had nothing to my name at that point, I had nothing to lose, and I just made pro wrestling my life, and it's happened, it's happened, you know, and it it happens for a lot of people, and now, am I right in saying there's never been a better time to be a student in professional wrestling, I mean, the paths, the paths are there for people, and they're for their, for people of all, you know, all shapes and backgrounds, and you know, it's, it's an awesome time. It's almost like social media was built for pro wrestling. Yeah. The one minute clip, the gifts, the podcast, the YouTube videos, Instagram. I mean, if people aren't taking advantage of it, and, and here's the thing, here's what's the most disturbing. I have people that in our school don't listen to me on about social media and different things. Like literally, like I'll ha- I won't say who it is, but he's like, you got to see this guy, Joe Hendry. And I'm like, and this kid is... Synonymous with not using social media properly. <laughs> Seriously, so he's like, he's like, you gotta see him, and I'm like, I know. I was like, so where'd you see him? And he's like, on on Twitter and this, and that. Go, which is social media that you don't use. You see how that thing works? And like they they just and their biggest thing is like, well, I don't know how to. I'm like, 
you got to start doing it to get better. Do you know those those videos were crucial to where I am at this point? It's crazy because what actually happened in my career was again I always have this thing where I, I feel that the, the people who kind of want it bad find a way, and that was kind of my way because I was stuck in a rut in the company that I was in. I wasn't kind of you know I was kind of I was I was a jobber basically, which is no shame in that. But I wanted to go right. beyond being a jobber, and I thought, well, I'm losing every match, but if I can do one of these videos then right. that's what's going to go up on the social media and people will automatically think I'm a star. So these videos are going out. People think I'm one of the main guys in the UK at this point. And at that point, you know, I really wasn't. But then, you know, it's perception becomes reality. I start getting the bookings around them is when I've flown myself out. It's whether you're at the start, the midpoint or towards the end of your career, I always feel you got to grab those opportunities. you got to make it happen. And Danny, I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to take away too much of your time because I know how busy you are with the school. Um, but thank keep going, keep, oh, going. keep going. Well, I'll, I'll go as long as uh, you you want us to go. We're we're uh, more than happy to have you. Got a lot of uh, great comments here. People are really enjoying um, what you're saying, and you know, and I know there's a few of my fans who definitely want to give uh, one of these camps a go. So wherever you are in the world, folks, you've heard it right there. You you kick, you'll get there from the airport. You'll get a lift. You'll get accommodation at the school, and you'll get a fantastic education. And Danny, could you yeah, tell? Yeah, sorry, cut it. Here's a, here's another thing. Um, we, we get people that'll come into town all the time. They're like, hey, I'm in town. I'm from such and such a school. We just let them train here. I don't charge them anything. Now, when they leave, like we've had some people, like when they leave, like after a couple of days, they might throw me some money. And I'll be like, yeah, that's awesome. You know, I can put it towards getting new shirts for the kids or whatever, stuff like that. But for the most part, like if I know you come from a reputable school and, you, and you're going to be in the area, just hit me up and say, hey, man, do you mind if I come in and train for a couple of days? You know, and, and you can, you can, you can train for a couple of days. You get to meet everybody. You might even, you know, some of our kids might have a booking that weekend and now you can go drive with them to the show and help them out and, and do whatever, get your foot in the door. That's what wrestling's about. It's not just about, uh, tag me where you want to see me on, on the Facebook, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're so right about, you know, that thing where people go, oh, you know, you should, you know, you should never take a flight somewhere. And I've never really understood that. I've always thought, look, if it was... I'm not going again. I'm not going to mention names, but literally former WWE champions, some of the of the modern era, I know for a fact have flown themselves out for you know to go and get experience and things like. That. And I'm not saying go and do things for free, but you know I'm I'm saying it right now. I I flew myself out to the ROH tryouts, and you know what? If that's a shameful thing, then shame on me. You know, it's yeah. like I I don't understand that yeah. attitude. You know, now this is my job, this is my profession, so I don't see the problem. Well, you know. Most of that, most of that is coming from the angry people, that and so it's easy to lash out uh, and call somebody a mark or this or that. But most of the people who are successful have done things for free for a very long time. Like I said, I was, I was a coach of the most successful wrestling school in the world, and I was going to these ROH camps, and it started off with me just sitting there and watching. Nobody asking me for anything. Nobody was asking me for advice. They were not introducing me as here's Danny Cage from the Monster Factory. I was basically just like sitting there watching, um, and a lot of people didn't know who I was. Then it became me showing my face a little bit more. Then it became, hey, Dan, we're going to introduce you. Cool. Then I got introduced, and it was like, hey, during the camp, if you want, talk to Dan. He can help you out. Then it became, hey, Dan, you want to be a coach? Then it became, hey, Dan, you know, our, something happened. Can we head to your school? Then it became, hey, Dan, uh, we want you to be one of the training facilities for our school. So... 
if I wasn't going there and showing up for free, putting in that time, uh, you know, I'm not in the situation I am. Same with when WWE wanted to do something, I flew myself out to go there. Uh, I didn't say, you know, you have to fly me out, brother. Um, for example, there's a, a, a talent from Impact I'm, I'm very good friends with, and we have a TV deal. We're going to be launching TV uh, in October. Regular TV, not... Uh, you know, not streaming, not anything like regular television, like cable television. Amazing, amazing. In, in October, and uh, he hit me up, and he said, I was telling him about, like, we got to film some commercials and stuff. For so he's like, hey, I got tons of uh, miles. I'll fly myself out to your place. We'll hang out, get some beers, film some commercials, go over some stuff that we want to do for storylines, and then I'll fly myself back. He didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for anything. And he's using his miles to fly out here. So that's just what you see pros doing, um, you know. There's the, the, so like that that mentality of of not flying yourself out, or I have to get paid for this. Like, sure, you want to get paid, but you also have to know, like, um, hey, man, just right now, I have to get my name out there. Um, I have to advertise. I have to network. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, sorry, carry on. Yeah, I was just saying this is my best opportunity. So you know, let's do this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could have, you know, put my foot down and says, no, I'm not going to fly out and do any training camps or anything like that because, you know, a company should find me and, you know, book me because it's like, no, I'm, I'm going to take the advantage. I'm going to go. And sometimes it's you need a, a kind of new environment and to establish yourself somewhere new. And the thing is, like in the UK, like so many of us here wrestle that sort of British style. So it doesn't really stand out. But then if I'm to go somewhere else, people go, oh, that's that's different, you know, so you can stand right. out. So to other talents like that's kind of personally that's my story of, of what I did to kind of get to the next level but I do find it interesting how everybody always says how'd you get into this company how'd you get into that company and it's like a lot of things in life when they actually find out the work that entails to go into it they're not so interesting and I, I guess tying back to being a, a coach do you it must be quite emotionally tough if you have to if you invest in somebody in terms of time and emotionally and kind of you really want to build someone to be something in professional wrestling I'm assuming that you'll be surprised both ways on many occasions like you'll be surprised by someone you maybe didn't think was going to be a star and then maybe there's someone with all the tools that doesn't quite get to where you wanted them to be how do you deal with that frustration or is there no frustration no there's there's plenty of frustration because I treat these kids uh just as good, if not sometimes better, sad to say, as my own family, because sometimes I'm spending more time with them. Sure. Uh, and it's very tough, because the, the worst part is when, you know, just like in the movie The Bronx Tale, nothing worse than, uh, nothing more sad than wasted talent. So, like, sometimes these kids can't see how talented they are, because they're letting somebody else affect them. They're, somebody else is getting in their ear, whether it be family, friends, uh appear that just wants them to just wants to be a cancerous uh, person but like to see somebody throw it away when there's just so close like i've had students before where i said like you know just keep coming in and i'm gonna put you in a tryout at the end of the uh, month and they blow stuff off and then they tell me well we don't want to try out because such and such said that uh we'll just get lost in a system because we don't have a big enough name and i'm just like what the hell is going on here you know but then there's times where i'm proven wrong and I'll, I'll give the biggest shout out in the world to lsg uh 
our heavyweight champion right now, yeah. contracted with Ring of Honor. When he came yes. to me five years ago, um, he had no clue what he was doing. Not, and I don't mean no clue what he was doing in the ring. I mean, like, with his gimmick or his image. He yeah. didn't know what he was doing. And, you know, I, I basically saddled him with, like, uh, he wanted to be, like, some kind of superhero character. And I said, well... And I literally, like, insulted him in front of everybody. I was like, who are you going to be, average man? I was like, because there's nothing super about you. Like, you're just average guy. Um, I was like, your bumps are crisp. They're good. But, like, your selling's average. Everything about you is average. Your look is average. Um, so I put him under a mask and called him war. And I was like, you're going to learn to sell big. You're going to learn to be a character bigger than life, kind of like a superhero. But now you're going to be under a mask, so you're not going to be able to do it with words and stuff like that. And it worked. And once we took the mask off, that kid became even more of a star and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was, you know, him driving uh, an hour and a half to training every day and getting up at seven in the morning for work and driving into yep. training and getting done at one in the morning and driving back and doing it over and over again. And now he's got a contract with Ring of Honor. He's our heavyweight champion. And uh, I, I can't see him not being around in pro wrestling for a long time. He is, he's that good. He's, uh, he's a special kind of person. Every once in a while he has these hiccups and these moments where I get frustrated, but then I also got to remember he's just a kid. You know, I'm 44. I've been around. Um, sure. So everybody's going to have that. As long as it's not catastrophic, it's okay. But he's, he's somebody that proved me wrong. Brilliant. And can you tell us a little bit about someone I was uh, I was looking up, her, um, you know, last week um, just because I saw this person on the Ring of Honor tour and I'd seen them before, been around them before, but they just had a different aura to them. And that person is Punishment Martinez. And I'm wondering, can you tell us about the... Because he's had an amazing transformation, you know, yeah. in, in his physique, and but also his ring work. And can you give it, tell, just give us a quick recap of how that story went? Because, I mean, it is an amazing transformation. And now, the presence that he has... Yeah. He's a, he's a star. Um, yeah, absolutely. Reminds and me of The Undertaker, actually. You know, just like that, that kind of... No wasted movement. Just reminds me of yeah. The Undertaker in that respect. And, He's a he's a big fan of the Undertaker and influenced by him. And but the thing is about him, like here's like we started. I was training with him and having matches with him back in like 2004 at the original Monster Factory. Wow, and wow. There's actually there's actually a funny clip. You got to watch it. It's me and QT Marshall versus Luis the Punisher Martinez and this guy Nasty Nick at a paintball uh, place in. Winslow, New Jersey, back in like 2004. Uh, it's a funny match. You get to see me uh, shoot punch somebody in the face because they keep on coming in the ring. Um, but it's pretty funny. You get to see the bald head and diving over top ropes and doing crazy stuff. Um, I may or may not have been drinking for that match. It was oh towards, dear. <laughs> it was towards the end of my career, and I was I, do as I say, not as I do, because I was not like the model uh, citizen in pro wrestling back then. Um, but it's a funny clip to look at. But um. Yeah, so, like, we got reconnected back in 2010 or 11, and he's always been so good, but, like, he'll even tell you, he believed what everybody around him told him, was like, no, man, you're doing the right things, and, uh, you know, keep doing it, you're doing great, but he was just a big guy, um, but didn't have that 100% look, like, yeah. in the next, he was, he was impressive, but then, like, his body needed work, and he'll tell yeah. you, he never never even really worked out yeah and but now i mean he's lean as hell you know oh my god he, he he looks tremendous and he you know and he puts into work constantly and he'll come into the training facility and 
and he has a contract, and he's the Ring of Honor champion, TV champion, and he'll show up at 6 p.m. while everybody else isn't in the building till 7, and he's doing box jumps and doing sprints and doing jumping rope and hitting the weights, and then he's going to the cryo tank, and then he's going to the float tank, and then he's doing this to heal his body and doing that and constantly putting in the work. Um, so it started, I guess, around 2012 or 13, the transformation, and it was a lot to do with Jerry Briscoe, Kevin Kelly, and myself. Uh, and he just realized, you know what, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And you, you just slowly saw the transformation. Uh, he used to have straps like he used to have a singlet, and the singlet was gone. And then he got new tights, and then this, and now his moves sets better. And this, I mean, complete 180. Uh, couldn't be more proud of him. He's an inspiration to me. He, he keeps me on my toes. Um, we bounce ideas off of each other. Do we butt heads? Absolutely, and we should because we're both creative people. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I love him. Uh, he's, you know, like a brother to me, him, QT Marshall. You know, these are the guys that, like, were with me at the Monster Factory, you know, from Jump. And, uh, you know, QT's got a school now in Georgia, the Power Factory. And, again, I want him to succeed because I want to be around winners. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so, like, yeah, Punishment is 100% a star. Uh, he looks amazing, and he carries himself like a star. He talks like a pro. He acts like a pro because he is a pro. He shows up in suits. He looks the part. He stays late, comes in early. You know, that's, that's what yeah. you have to do. Not, and not just to get the contract. But to keep, but to keep the contract, yeah, and that's and that's the thing. If you think about it, you know, for everyone that gets a contract, how many keep it? That's uh, yeah, exactly. There's been a million people that had jobs, but yeah. how many people are are iconic figures that have been mainstays and been around for a long time? Yeah, few and that's far between. Tough, tough, tough to put your finger on that one. Brilliant. Well, Danny, thank you so much for giving us your time. We know you're a busy dude, and we really appreciate you being here on the podcast. You know, that was a, it was a great introduction to pro wrestling for people who have never done it before, but also it's great to talk to you for myself, someone who's in the business but looking to improve as well. Danny, where can we find you on social media to keep up with you? Because, guys, you got to check out the, the clips that he puts up on social media. If you've ever wondered what training is actually like, what it's really like, then you got to follow Danny on social media. He's posting all the time and you can see what the students are doing. Where can we find you? Sure. On Twitter, it's at the Danny Cage. Mm -hmm. Then there's also the Monster Factory's Twitter, which I also handle, which is at the number four Monster Factory. And then there's our Wrestling Federation, at the MFPW. And then on Instagram, it's at the number four Monster Factory and at Real Danny Cage. And on Snapchat, at Real Danny Cage. And I'm on all social media. I handle all of our accounts. So if you email the Monster Factory, I handle it. If you hit us up on Facebook, I handle it. Twitter, I handle it. I do all that stuff. So when people say they don't have time to do social media, that's bullcrap because yeah. I have 12 different accounts and I handle them all. There you go, folks. And I hope that's given you all an insight into, again, what it takes to achieve your dream, whether you know you're you're in Danny's situation or you're a student starting the business. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, folks, hope you've enjoyed it. Everyone on the Twitch is lo loving the podcast, loving having you on. So, Danny, thank you so much for your time. Thank you.